five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Home podcast, your premier podcast covering both the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant, otherwise known as the premier source for the two, or as we are occasionally called, the preeminent Canadian Overwatch podcast. Mm-hmm. I am Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Jordan Etzer, Dr. JM, and special guest Omni at Omnistrife. <laughs> Welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, long time no see, but you know, I, I I don't feel like the rest really. Finally back on that sweet wired internet too. Last time was was kind of miserable because of Wi-Fi, but I think like podcasting, you know, it's kind of like wearing a bike or riding high heels. I think so. Yes, totally wearing <laughs> a bike and riding the high heels. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think we're good. Yeah, in fairness, I think you earned, uh, you know, a few episodes off. I mean, you were to be always here. Man, my streak is done, though. Man, I'm so upset. It was, it was, it was touch and go for a bit, but no, it's good to have the the three of us back. Um, this episode, we're going to have a special guest. It's part of our, you know, preseason guest series. We have, uh, uh, Sean Gilchrist joining us. You know him as Papa Punk. He's going to talk a little bit about what it's like being the dad of an Overwatch League pro. And he's got some pretty cool thoughts on, on uh, the league operations, the game and all that jazz. Uh, so that's going to be coming up a little bit later. It is a good interview, good conversation, uh, and I look forward to the opportunity to bring them back. Uh, you've probably been listening along to some of our other episodes. So, for instance, we had a bonus episode out last week where we had Dick Casares from the Toronto Defiant to talk to us uh, the week prior to that. We had a regular episode with our interview with Baroy. Uh, prior to that, we had... Sean Miller. Well, guess what? We have another special episode coming to you next week where we'll have Till and I'm going to have to get his name corrected when we speak to him. But Till Werdeman, who's the senior director of team operations um, for the Toronto Defiant. He also uh, covers the Mad Lions and the uh, Toronto uh, Ultra, who Yay! won a major. Clap, 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 clap. Yes, they did indeed. They just won on uh, Saturday, Sunday. I watched. It was great. It was really good performance. I can't say if I watched the, the Call of Duty League. It's, I mean, the game itself is frenetic for this old man. So it's hard for me to keep up and I, I, I'm not knocking it. I, I, I get why, you know, people are, are fully invested, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, Toronto Ultra. Congratulations. Uh, so yeah, we've got all of that. Uh, we've got a bit to talk about in the payload, lots happening around <clears> the league <throat> and in the game. So, uh, why don't we, uh, start, uh, moving this payload along? Moving the payload! Join me! So, I mean, the big official news, really the only official news out of Toronto and Vancouver at this point, is that Toronto is hosting, uh, a few days from now, on March 18th, an official meet and greet. Uh, you have to register for this. You can't just sort of show up, Walking. though I guess you could try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, you need to register. Uh, the links are all on the Toronto Defiant, uh, you know, social media. But, um, it's nice to see that the team is, is starting to engage the community. Uh, I mean, Toronto has always been good like this. They, they often have, you know, many meeting greets and opportunities like this throughout the course of a season. And we know if you listen to the bonus episode, they've been together for, uh, you know, just over a week, week and a half, maybe two weeks now. They did a boot camp out in cottage country. Uh, 
you know, all of this has been happening. So again, your opportunity to meet the team before the season kicks off. Uh, whether or not Vancouver does something similar is still, uh, you know, unknown. Uh, despite, uh, you know, Papa Punk's best efforts to draw this information out of the team, like, hey, are you planning meet and greets? Is there going to be a watch party? I might make the trip. It's a little bit of a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, still haven't gotten any any word on that. But I, I mean, again, the Titans will do stuff too. They will always do stuff. It's just the notice provided is usually very tight in time frame. And the extent, as you said, Jordan, usually quite a bit limited. Yeah. They did. They did do something just recently, didn't they? I seem to recall pictures of, of, of Crimson and. Oh, okay. So yeah, they were the UBC esports club hosted like a, sort of a conference and the Titans had a presence there. So you're right. Um, credit where credit is due. Fair enough. But what type of timeline? There's a reason why sure. you didn't hear but from us. Yes. <laughs> we talk about things every two weeks, but it was like days before it's happening. Hey, we're going to be here. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's, you know, when things got confirmed and I'm not going to hold that on the Titans because they weren't the ones hosting, but this is, this is sort of what we're accustomed to. And, and we would love to help them out, promote, talk about these things, drum up, amp up, whatever type of support needs to happen. But, uh, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll make the same offer to them that I've made to the Toronto organization as well. All the free swag you want to send me, I will take pictures. I will do my own photo shoot and post it all over social media nice. for you. I was just looking at the Vancouver Titans Instagram here, uh, from that event. And uh, Crimzo looking looking good in the blue and green hat. I like it. <laughs> what about the jersey? Was he wearing it? Uh, he's wearing a hoodie. Uh, so yeah. it's just the the black hoodie with uh, the logo on the. But he's kind of like the hat guy, such. right? He's, he's but our, he's the he's, hat guy, right? I always remember. I can picture him in the blue and yellow he's from uh, Boston. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. The Bastion with the Overwatch two skin, and now it has <laughs> logos on all of his caps. So kind of like Crimzo personified. That's right. (laughs) But uh, much like Toronto, everyone uh, is in Vancouver now. Um, They are all together. Uh, I don't know if they've had a boot camp similar to what the Defiant did. Um, If they have, they've kept it under wraps, unlike uh, scrims that they've participated in, which uh, (laughs) if you need need to see some scrims, um, there's there's a good chance... Well, I mean, there's an actual site um, days since the last scrim code leaked, uh, and I don't think we've gone more than one day without a new one. I mean, you've got Hattie promoting on his stream. Hey, if I get uh, 40 gifted subs, uh, I will, you know, leak a scrim code. And sure enough, he did. I mean, I, I actually wonder, is this something that's happening because there's sort of a wink, wink, nod, nod, let's do it to amp up, you know, get people interested. Or is it that maybe the league isn't really all that concerned because they've got other fires they're sort of dealing with right now. Um, but regardless, you know, there are scrim codes and both the Defiant and the Titans have been involved in them. I don't think either have shared, like the leaks have not come from well, I, I don't think they've come from anyone out of the Titans. I'm now wondering if Kaluj might have shared something that the Defiant were in, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on sort of his dreams. Because that's the other problem is the, the players are still using production client. And so if they're like live streaming or whatever, you and, you know, 
looking through VODs, it's much easier to share that type of information. Whereas if they were on an actual league client, much less so. True. I mean, I don't think the league should be bothered by like, it should be the teams more like the, the coaches, the players, but it seems like they're in on it in a way. So, well, well, and if it wasn't for it. the Hattie, Hey, 40 gifted subs, I'll leak codes <laughs> because there's, he's making money off this, right? True, this is, true. this is sort of where it starts to get fuzzy. Yeah. I have no problem with him monetizing an opportunity like he has. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the part that I, 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 I ask, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Papa Punk was talking a little bit about uh, some of the scrims uh, in uh, Titans court. He wasn't sharing codes or anything like that. He knew that they were happening, giving, <clears throat> you know, a few thoughts, but, uh, but to Omni, I understand that you've, uh, you've watched a handful of, them. I, I did. I watched the, some Toronto matches, uh, the one versus the glads and, and, I, that's the thing for Vancouver. I watched the one against um, Vegas Eternal. I almost said Paris there, and finally the last one uh, versus London. Now I saw on the competitive uh, Overwatch subreddit that there was already a code leaked from a scream between uh, Vancouver and London, where London apparently were looking much much better. And I, I figured that was the same one. I said I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna watch that. But no, it's actually a different one because Vancouver ended up kind of owning them in most ma- maps. It was like 4-1 or something like that with a draw in there. So anyways, what I saw, I liked what I saw. Both teams mm-hmm. have this certain quality that's very similar between both of them, between the Toronto Define and the Vancouver Titans, but also very, very different. Um, Toronto looking very swaggy. I would say everybody expected <laughs> that, that they know what they want and they kind of take it. They look best when they dictate the pace. Which is often, but but the problem is they played against the Clads, who were apparently in their first scrim, so they were very rusty to say mm. the least. And whenever they had like Kefster playing on Tracer, uh, Toronto were struggling a little bit. I mean, he was diffing them consistently, but he's Kefster, so he's diffing mm. everyone. Um, it was pretty good. I liked it. Vancouver was a weird one to me. Um, I watched the 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 the, the map they wa- uh, some of the maps they played against. Eternal, not much there. They they were very dominant. They, they looked similar to Toronto in a way that they already have, of course, that pre-existing synergy, right? It it didn't mm-hmm. look. Both teams did not look like it's. Oh, we're just starting scrims now. What do we do? Where do we go? Where's the supports? Where's the DPS? It's like they know what they're doing, which is really nice. There was a big difference between Toronto and and Vancouver. Vancouver kind of felt to me more planned and methodical. Uh, playing hmm. carefully, even versus Vegas when they posed really no threat. They did win like a, th- a clean 3-0, but they were very disciplined while Toronto more like loosey-goosey about it. Um, and the last one was very interesting because I saw from some comments that like Hadi was diffing Punk pretty hard and oh, Punk yeah. didn't play like Ryan and Winston. And, and the game I watched, he played only main tanks and he, he outperformed him. In almost everything, it was like a clean 3-0 on Oasis. Yeah, it was up to 3. I know it sounds weird. King's Row, they beat them again. Uh, they lost push in OT uh, in Hollywood, but then they kind of drew, and then they won Antarctica. Hmm. Punk was playing great. I really liked what I saw. He, pl- he played only Monkey and Ryan, which is pretty much the meta right now. Everybody's playing Winston, Sojourn, Tracer, Lucio, Kiriko, with some maps. You know, you see the Ryan and the ball. 
it was good. I liked it. I, I can't wait to see both teams play. I think the teams are probably better than people expect, especially Vancouver. A lot of people nice. seem to be down on. Uh, they look nice. Oh, and and Sugar Free Man, that guy is the real deal. Lenny Woo. is gonna pop. He, he's him and 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 Aspire. Ooh, that's exciting. I see. That that yeah. might be the most exciting thing you just said. Sugar Free actually oh, he bringing the heat because his let tracer is a menace. Let Lenny cook. <laughs> he's uh, he's definitely a big question mark for me just having not been you know right. around the um, scene to the extent man, that i, I don't know now. if it's scrims or not you should not be worried a guy was just constantly yeah. dominated constantly popping cool. constantly up in the uh red team's um behinds shall i put it doing <laughs> lots of work yeah. cool. the uh rewinding a little bit there to the the scrim you're talking about where Hottie was dominant comparative to Punk. In, in listening to what the the pundits on uh, RCAL were saying, uh, <laughs> there were some thinking, is he still on, is Punk on ping? Uh, you know, it's quite clear that, you know, Punk can't play main tank. But then someone who I thought was very intelligent in their approach, it looks to me like Vancouver is trying things for the mm. sake of trying them. Mm. Right. Now's and the time. to the point that you talked about them looking disciplined. Yeah. You know, if that's what they're doing now in scrims, mm-hmm. I mean, thinking back to some of the things we've said about the Vancouver Titans historically with the old sort of, you know, coaching regime and what have you, is they would stick to something come hell or high water. And it felt like they were testing live as opposed to mm-hmm. the other way around. So I have no issue um, if this is where they're going to play around, like try these different, you know, things out, um, be creative. But to hear that you saw a second uh, scrim between London where yeah. Vancouver is now much more in control does does make me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, I'm not too concerned about the uh, the uh, Vegas uh, Eternal uh, because from what I understand, they've been getting rolled um, by, not by the- like open div. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, we've been there before, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not knocking. Doesn't feel that. good. Just, yeah, when you when you, when you beat those teams, though, you, you just got you gotta remember that there's others yeah. that are beating them too. Yeah. Anywho, uh, that's the payload. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with everything more. Um, obviously, bonus episode next week uh, with Till as we led off the show with. But uh, hey. Omni, I'm going to get you to tap out because we got to fill your seat with a very special guest, uh, Sean Gilchrist. Papa Punk, as you know him, he'll be joining us in a quick second. Come out and face me! So as we mentioned moments ago, we are joined by a very special guest through the power of the internet on the other side of the planet. Uh, We are joined by Papa Punk, although uh, if you happen to know him in person, uh, his name is Sean. And uh, he has graciously taken time out of his schedule to to join us here on Ready, Set, Pwn to talk a little bit about what it's like being, uh, you know, father to the newest uh, tank for the Vancouver Titans, uh, his son, Punk. Uh, But welcome, Sean. Thank you, guys. Nice to be here. 
Yeah, thanks for joining us again. You know, for someone who may not realize this, um, you know, you are, when I say you're on the other side of the planet, you're down there in Australia, uh, which um, sometimes I, I'll admit I'm a Canadian, so I refer to the Australians as like they're just, they're, they're just cousins of ours because we all sort of came from that you know same uh, same queen and country from back in the day. Uh, but uh, I am somewhat jealous because I have family in Australia myself, and they always tell me, "Hey, you got to come down here. It's a beautiful country." But that that was it. Fifteen, sixteen hour flight is is really the yeah. the tough thing for me. Yeah, it it puts a lot of people off, and uh, quite frankly, it discourages a lot of Americans from coming down. Which, uh, <laughs> depending on what you think, that's a positive or a negative. Um, but uh, it is a long flight, and if you're not used to it, um, uh, yeah, well, you don't get here, do you? No, I mean, I, I, and I, I, we've, we've, as I said, I had my family down there. My, my dad has often said, oh, I want to go to Australia, but he hates flying. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to take a cruise ship. I'll get on a cruise ship. And I try to explain to him, like, well, first of all, um, that you think a 15 hour flight's long, the cruise from like Vancouver to, uh, you know, Sydney, probably 15 days, um, you know, give or take. Yeah. And it's not like it's round trip. Like once you're, once you're there, yeah. how do you plan on getting home? And, yeah, you know, I'll just take the ship back. Oh, okay. So in yeah. how many ever months? It, it also amazes me that the number of people that land here thinking that uh, they can do all the things they've seen on TV or, or in the promotional material for, for the whole country, they, they suddenly realize that it's quite a large piece of land. And uh, mm. if they haven't thought about it deeply enough, uh, they'll do one-tenth of what they think they're going to do because we're just a little spread out. Um, yeah. So uh, it takes a long while to get between places. Like ma major, major capital cities are usually a two-hour flight away from each other, minimum, um, mm. which is you know 10 or 12 hours driving. So um, yeah. not a small place. No, I mean, well, for us in, in Canada, I mean, what you're describing is like, yeah, it's exactly what I have to do. If I was going from like Victoria to Edmonton, I'm probably flying for an hour and a half. If I want to drive, it's a it's a day mm -hmm. day trip in the car. And uh, when you know, I I actually have some relatives in the UK who come here and they're like, sir, yeah, I thought you know we could go to uh, we go to Calgary or Banff for a day trip. That's not a day it's trip. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, yep, and you can take a day to travel yeah. there. Yeah. And, and you know, this season we'll get over there and um, mm -hmm. I've got my Lonely Planet guide, so I'm starting to, to grasp the concept of how far away things are and um, what it will take to, to fit a 10-day sort of trip in, uh, what we might yeah. cover. And, yeah, it's, it's similar. There's some wide spaces between major attractions. If you can... Yeah, there definitely is. If you can make it out to the Banff area that Chris was mentioning there, even, you know, Jasper might be a little bit closer to you guys. Not even sure. Mm -hmm. So that's a little no, further, north, further isn't it? north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Banff would be closer. You'd, you'd so. be a lot closer to me, though. But uh, it's a nice place, that's for sure. Well, as you, I mean, if it's fifteen hours to get there, we're not sticking around <laughs> just in Vancouver, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, you know, speaking of of making the trip to Canada, uh, your son Punk, he recently uh, flew into town. He's been here for I want to say coming up a week now or so, um, and I, I have to ask. Um, it, you know, how long into the off season did it sort of become clear that he was going to find his way, you know, here to Vancouver? Uh, 
Well, he became a free agent, right? So that was the first time mm-hmm. for him becoming a free agent. Um, and uh, there was some init- initial interest from a, a number of teams. And so conversations happened um, towards the end of the season. Um, and then, you know, you remember the deadline being extended once and then being extended again. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, I'll say we because – we're all in it together, um, uh, his mum and I. And um, uh, I would say we started to get a, a fair idea of where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do, you know, during that, that second period of, of postponement to the deadline. Um, so things firmed up then. And, um, you know, by Christmas, there were verbal agreements that, you know, weren't mm-hmm. going to be broken. So... Um, probably just before Christmas, a couple of weeks before Christmas, something like that, we knew. Um, you know, he'd lived in a cold spot. He was born in a cold spot in Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. Been with Boston, as you know, for three or four years, and one of those years with the Academy in Toronto at the time. So he's he's, he's not um, unfamiliar with cold climates. So he knew what he was getting in for. But as, as the only guy in the Southern Hemisphere – in in the league, um, mm-hmm. we kind of realised that a couple of weeks ago, and and you know he has been a little bit hesitant to start the season because it's summertime where we are, and mm-hmm. we live by the beach, so it's uh, yeah. it's it's not been high on his list to get started here. But he's underway now. He's been there a little over a week. Um, everyone, yeah. I think, came in last weekend or the weekend before, um, so it's full guns blazing now. Full scrims, two or three blocks a day, etc. So, um, you know, we get messages from him. Here's what he's doing. Here's what I'm up to. Here's what I'm eating. So, seems to be going well so far. The um, well, I mean, if there's there's a benefit of sort of the weather transition is uh, we will eventually get out of our winter into spring and summer. He'll he'll get to experience that. I I can't speak for 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 the beaches in in Sydney, which I understand are glorious, and based on all the pictures I see, I wouldn't ever think to doubt that. Uh, But I'd like to think Vancouver's got some decent, you know, you know, beach opportunities. Maybe you know, different to. To a different extent, but I often describe Vancouver as the tropical part of Canada because we don't get the snow like everywhere else right. does. And if he's, you know, been in Boston for as long as he was, and if you, I actually didn't realize that the academy team had been based in or out of Toronto uh, for a spell. Yep. Um, if he experienced winter in either of those two locales, I mean, Vancouver is yeah. a walk in the park. It'd probably be a cold day in Sydney. Yeah. He he was actually there for a high school basketball tour that he went on before he got picked up oh, by wow. the Uprising Academy. So he, um, he actually broke into that basketball tour. They were in Vancouver. And instead of coming home uh, to end it with all these high school um, uh, friends, they um, they carried on down to Los Angeles and down to the the U.S. West Coast there, and he he broke the trip and flew to Toronto to start with the uprising uh, just before Christmas. I I guess it was 2018, I think, or 2019. Can't remember, but um, so he he'd had a taste of Vancouver and quite liked it from memory. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it wasn't wasn't hard to to think about the people he was working with, you know, late last year, who were um, 
um, making the offer in the end and the living location and his initial taste of Vancouver, you know, three or four years ago. Well, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm learning so much. I wasn't uh, aware that he had uh, been in Vancouver before. I mean, even if it was a short visit, but, uh, often when we have spoken to, to players and, and, and those within the, the two organizations that we cover on our show, we always have this quite, oh, what's this, you know, what was that experience in, you know, first time setting foot in Canada? Like, cause there's, there's many stereotypes as, mm. as I'm sure you're aware. And, and I'm always curious, well, did our, did our stereotypes hold true? So, I mean, these are questions we'll probably get to. And, uh, once you make the trip, I'm going to have to validate them with you, uh, too. But I, you know, I want to use sort of what you talked about there as a segue, cause he was, you know, here on a basketball sort of tour, um, and then left to go and, and play with the, the uprising Academy. But maybe if I were to rewind a little bit further back, mm-hmm. When did it become a, you know, a thing, you know, at least in your mind that, uh, you know, you had a son who had a, a future in, in esports. Um, one day he asked me to go and watch some big event that was held in Sydney. I think it was IEM one year and he was probably 15 at that time. And I sat amongst a lot of smelly young boys in a stadium or half a stadium. And I watched um, a lot of excitement, you know. I I think the stadium was probably 20,000 people and they split it in in half. So there were maybe 10,000 people. And it was a worldwide event and they'd all come to Sydney and... And I was sitting there and I was, I was kind of watching and just looking around and he was lining up to get autographs from people, Brazilian, you know, players of, I don't know what it was. And, uh, I was, that was my first experience and the first time that, you know, he had let me come along to see what it was all about. But that wasn't Overwatch. It was something else. Um, perhaps the first Overwatch, uh, inkling we had was he was playing with friends downstairs we we had a two-story house at the time and he would play downstairs and um he came up one day and he 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 had a contract in his hand you know just a an australian contenders team was wanting to 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 hire him and sign a contract mm-hmm. you know had the normal parent reaction. Okay, hold on a second. What are you? What are we signing here? Strangers what are you signing here? on the here? internet. Yeah. So um, <laughs> that that was probably a turning point as to it getting it all a bit serious. Um, so we read the contract, had a look at it, and thought, yeah, yeah, this is pretty pretty innocuous. And and um, you know, he ended up kind of leading that team. The team was called Dark Sided um, in Australian Contenders, and you know, they they're a bunch of bunch of friends um he was he was playing with uh he wanted to go to adelaide because they they did well one particular season and uh they had a boot camp offer to go to adelaide which is about two and a half hours plane ride from sydney um down to where you know uh, uh mitch and scott you know, Uber and, and Custer are from, so their hometown. Of course. So we kind of said, well, you know, what about school? Um, so we managed to finagle a bit of time off school and let him do that. And I, I flew over there and worked out of my company's office in Adelaide while, you know, he went to these 
some some rundown warehouse out in the back blocks of Adelaide and uh, practice with his buddies, and then and then they flew to Melbourne where the main event was and and so where they hold the Australian Tennis Open down in Melbourne each year each January, um, you know they cut the stadium in, the indoor stadium in half and they held the Melbourne Esports Open and they featured the finals of the Overwatch. Um, Australian contenders that particular season. And uh, my wife and uh, I think both of my daughters came down and we sat in the audience and uh, there may be three or 4,000 people there. It's a bit hard to tell, but it's quite exciting. And he was up on stage and um, I think they had Miles as an MC that year. Miles does Call of Duty, right? Um, So Miles was back in town and he was interviewing... uh, um, Punk up on stage as the team captain, and they were going against the Sydney Drop Bears, and you know <laughs> people like Hunter and uh, were, mm-hmm. were were there, and Color Hex, and um, yeah, all, you know all the Australians in the Overwatch scene. So that that was maybe the second sort of turning point where, as a parent, you know you you think, wow, this is what it's all about. This is this this is kind of cool. And exciting, and you get to meet some of the people he's always been talking about. Um, um, try and stay in the background a little bit. Um, they're all underage or under eighteen, so there are a lot of parents <laughs> there as well. Um, so you get to meet yeah. the parents, and you know, have those parent conversations where, you know, do you understand the game? Uh, <laughs> do you know what's going on? Uh, can you help me understand? And you know, we we were just like that as well. Um, yeah. And so we came away from that event, you know, thinking, all right, he seems like he's got some sort of skill here and um, things went from there. Wow. So, you know, I, I'm I'm genuinely curious on, on the parent side. Um, I mean, my, myself, uh, Jordan here, Ani, all three of us are parents, younger children. I mean, mm-hmm. my daughter, I think she's going to be a Candy Crush prodigy. Uh-huh. I mean, she, for five, she's very good at this game. But, um, you know, I, when you were talking to other parents and, and, and what have you, was it, you know, generally a supportive bunch? Because we've heard stories where there's still this belief like, oh, esports is, oh, this isn't a real yeah. thing, you know, and there's, yeah. and, they're all, you know, they're I, I, all, as a parent, they're all stereotyped as, you know, fat kids swigging Red Bull, right? And eventually <laughs> yeah, drifting, into, Doritos. Yeah, drifting into the wrong side of the tracks. Um, I, I think the parents who showed up at this event were the ones who were interested and invested and, and wanting to be a part of their, their kid's life or their child's life and understand it um, and, mm-hmm. and not be, you know, immediately negative as, as a stereotype might might give to you um, as a parent. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not so much. I, I often say to to Leighton or, or to Punk, you know, you you you're not in the sports. It's not. A, I don't like the word esports. You know, <laughs> I I say to him often, you're in the entertainment business, right? You're part of a a big juggernaut worldwide that that provides entertainment to people and, you know, you're part of that um, as a player of this particular game. Um, and I think that's generally how most parents would would see it. Um, 
you know. Uh, so the ones that we met, to answer your question, the ones that we met uh, all had a similar sort of openness to understanding what it was, um, uh, looking at the positives, um, and, and there's plenty of positives, right? Um, so we mm-hmm. end up talking about um, uh, social skills development, uh, teamwork, expo- exposure to other cultures, um, people from all walks of life. I mean, these are all life skills that children have to learn as well. Um, yeah. uh, and as as travellers, my wife and I, uh, long-time travellers, we, we met when we were exchange students in France for a year, for example, back in the late 80s. Um, we've always brought up our kids to, to explore, you know, other cultures and, and other countries and other experiences like that. So gaming and Overwatch, you know, allows that to happen. So it was always positive. The, um, I mean, I, I, I hear you talk about sort of, you know, seeing that excitement and want to be invested. And I mean, it's not all the same, but I remember the very first season that the Vancouver Titans, Toronto Fan, and the expansion teams were in the league. Um, the uh, one of the two major sports networks here in Canada actually carried uh, an Overwatch League match of the week on linear TV. Right. And I remember, you know, one day I was I was at my parents. I was, I was visiting um, you know, Sunday or whatever, and I was flipping through the TV and I see this and then I stop. I'm interested. Mm. My mom is like, oh, is this is this what you talk about on your podcast? Mm. Can you explain to me what's happening? And I was genuinely surprised that she she was invested in trying to figure out what madness was going on on the tv mm. i mean i'd and i i was trying like do i explain it to her mm. based on what i know or what i think she might understand mm. but you know she'll go and tell people oh yeah my son's got a very popular you know uh, esports <laughs> podcast yeah. and to her that's what's that's what's exciting is because i i enjoy what i do um i get to talk about something I, I love. And, you know, I, I, as a, as her son, I'm very gracious of that. As I'm sure, you know, you know, punk is, is of you and your, your wife and, and, mm. and his sisters. I just, I do know. And I have had, you know, interactions with some who, when I talk about my podcast, they're like, Oh yeah. 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 Right. You're talking about video <laughs> games. Huh? Aren't you a little old for that? Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? Um, you, you almost need, for them to drop their guard a little bit to 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 show them something that that will help their understanding because the first reaction is usually an, a negative one or a neutral one at best and um, until you kind of have someone explain what's going on to you whether it's in the game or or the way it all works or the way the league works or why this is an entertainment industry that's you know thriving and getting bigger until someone takes mm-hmm. the time to do that with you, uh, it's very easy just to keep walking by, you know, whether, mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot of incidental learning about the gaming industry unless you, you have an opening. Um, so, uh, y- you know, I, it, it reminds me of um, we had to go to Bangkok in Thailand for a World Cup qualifier. Um and he was playing on the Australian team, and and you know that was the year uh, Custer played, um, and we all got to go to Bangkok, and uh, you know we'd been we'd been to Bangkok before. He hadn't, but um, 
when we got to Bangkok, there were billboards in the in the middle of Bangkok with Overwatch and a, you know a picture of Tracer and various other heroes. They were on the sides of buses, on the sides of the elevated um, tramway or, or subway, uh, running through the middle of Bangkok. And yeah, we don't we don't get that in Sydney, um, mm-hmm. but you got that in Bangkok, and um, and it it probably showed what was going on to the general public. You know, they, I'm sure there were a few curious folks that looked up and thought, "Wonder what the hell that is." Um, and some would have bothered to find out. Some wouldn't have. Uh, I often wish that there was a little bit more exposure because uh, it's it's very um, it's it's not very public um, gaming. And and usually when a journalist decides to do something, it's it's the negative side of of gaming, right? Mm-hmm. So um, that's that that. That was certainly an interesting experience as well, uh, Bangkok, you know, because at the end of it, it was held in the top floor of a shopping center. And, um, and at the end, when, when there were meet and greets with the teams on certain days, um, there were like 300 Thai kids lining up to meet the Australian team and, um, seeking their autograph and and for parents we were sitting back going who are these people and why do they want our son's <laughs> autograph what's going on here and and in the end it was so crowded and we were so you know waiting to congratulate him because they just qualified to go to BlizzCon. um in the end we joined the line in order to get our turn <laughs> with our son and uh and we just sort of waited in line and eventually got our moment to sort of say hello to the team and uh, one of the other players' parents was with us as well, and um, and that was that was how we had to get access at that time. So, again, another one of those experiences that that you know you tuck away and you think, well, this is this is a big deal, and um, yeah, okay, okay, you know, the uh, you know I I like how you're saying you had to line up to to actually get your time with your own son, yep. and I mean. <laughs> somewhat off the rails here it explains the patience that you've had in vancouver titans discord when you're asking about hey are there any events planned so we can potentially plan a, a pretty long distance trip yeah um i just want to um, want you to know if for some reason there isn't an official event i i can assure you uh us from the podcast and a few others we will make sure there is something um let's do an unofficial one we can act- an unsanctioned well that, that's it whether or not we'll be able to get wherever it is we go to put an Overwatch League match on a screen of reasonable size, yeah. that might be tougher. But but where there is a will, there is there is always a yeah. way. Now, look, I I think Dennis is planning a watch party uh, or two, so I haven't seen a negative reaction to my questions yet. Just uh, settle down, Sean. We'll we'll get to the timing <laughs> shortly. You know. Um, well, I. I, I love that you're asking because that in, in previous years that used to be me right and I would get that but like I don't have that <laughs> I don't have that source that you might have access to so yeah. well yeah. you know I, I think the reason I'm asking too is is when when Leighton joined the Overwatch League he'd had that experience I described in Melbourne in Australian contenders and honestly all the players want that they all thrive mm-hmm. off playing on the stage. And he hasn't had that experience in the Overwatch League yet, um, so he's he's craving it. Uh, we're living vicariously through him, so we're craving it as well. And yeah. you know, we're we're set to mobilise and and flee Sydney and and head to wherever the Titans qualify, and 
we might see him on stage with with the team. So we're ready to do that, and hopefully, it comes true this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we 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 had a chance to talk to Casoras and the Defiant. We talked to to Denzel Baroy from the mm. the Titans uh, a week ago, and uh, I mean, even Sean Miller, mm. LAN events, the in person events. There there is something special about them, and I, you know, I get that the world situation changed quite dramatically over the past two years. But that one season where I was really mm-hmm. invested in league, just it's the sound of like the energy, the pop. Like you talk about this being an entertainment, you know, industry, it truly is. And the energy that you pull from like a, a live fan yeah. event is just, yeah. I'm getting that through like the television. I mean, yeah. I went to a few watch parties as well, where there was that pop. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a player on the stage to then feed off of that, that experience too. In, indeed. Indeed. And it, it was a shame when, uh, when the season started and he hadn't been picked up by, by Boston at that time. So he came back home and, and, um, and, and, you know, we were watching teams travel from city to city playing those first, uh, first few rounds that year. And, um, and then it all came crashing down, of course. And, and after it came crashing down, you know, that's when he got the call up to, to get to Boston. Um, I think it was, it was close, close to the beginning of May that year that, that Huck gave him a call and said, Hey, how, how about you get yourself over here? So yeah, just missed out on those. And, uh, yeah, yeah it'd be good to be good to have one or two, uh, creep into his career this year. Uh, I mean, I, I'm also thinking it's a bit disappointing that the opportunities for playing on stage this year seem to be a little bit less, in my view, mm-hmm. uh, than than certainly last year, um, uh, which is a bit disappointing. Uh, hopefully, perhaps a reconsideration of how many teams might qualify qualify mid season to be on stage or uh, at the end of the year can can be something the the league thinks about. But um seems like there's only two opportunities this year rather than the three we had last year. Uh, so that's a disappointment. Um, and, and probably why he's motivated to, to qualify for the World Cup so that he, he has mm-hmm. that, you know, second or third opportunity to, to play on stage in presumably Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would wager a guess that uh, BlizzCon will co- or the Overwatch World Cup will again coincide with the BlizzCon event, which is now back on the, the calendar. Hmm. Um, allegedly, I say that because they haven't actually said so right. with a date. But uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I hear you as well when you're talking about sort of the potential for fewer opportunities to be on stage. We When we had Sean, we asked him that same question. Like, hey, we like Jordan and I, we got to watch the summer showdown from afar, um, but the Toronto Defiant did a really good job at trying to integrate us into that experience. And it was, it was, it was really fun being where we were. And I would love to have the opportunity to attend an event like that myself. And, and you're right. There's, it does look like there might only be two and you know, the way the league has been structured in the past. Yeah sometimes it's harder to actually even qualify for that part. Mm. Um, you know, despite all your best efforts, there's yeah. just too many teams, not enough, yeah. you know, proverbial seats on the stage. You know, it's, it's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you another story. I mean, we, we took a, 
uh, a vacation to Europe via the US uh, last August, September, or last July, August. And we thought, you know, let's let's break up the trip and we'll stop off in Hawaii on the way. And uh, we did plan it around the potential for the Boston guys to qualify and, and make it to Hawaii last year. And, um, and they didn't. And, um, <laughs> and yet we found ourselves there. And by, by coincidence, uh, we were in the same hotel that the league was oh, putting wow. up all the teams. So we're, we're just checking in one day and, and Patty, my wife said to me, Hey, isn't that the Dallas team over there? And turned around and, and it was. <laughs> and, and we said hello. And, and then we went to our room and we're checking in and we bump into, um, Hardy and, and some of the, the other oh, players wow. and, and they were lost trying to find their room because it's a massive hotel that we're all in. And then we went downstairs and we're seeing other people. And suddenly, you know, as parents without our playing son, we're starting to experience what it's like to travel to an event that people <laughs> get excited about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we went out on the beach and we bump into the gladiators and, um, you know, we're bumping into go, the. You guys did. Yeah, bumping into the mayhem guys as well, you know. So the poor bastard, he's he's sitting there at home, you know, freezing, uh, fr- not freezing, but you know, sitting in in Boston, uh, probably a little bit jealous, uh, probably a little bit disappointed and dejected, depressed even. Um, yeah. But um, you know, uh, it'll happen. I hope it happens. <laughs> Let it happen I- this year, please. <laughs> I hope you guys were sending him selfies with uh, with all his we were. his competition. Good. <laughs> we were. We were. I remember we were wandering the streets, and my youngest brother happened to be in Hawaii at the same time. Um, one of my youngest brother's family got COVID, so they delayed their Hawaiian trip, and it ended up overlapping with ours. So we were wandering the, the streets of Waikiki one night, and uh, I think Dante and the, the, the outlaws were... <laughs> were behind us and my wife pointed it out again and said hey isn't that the outlaws and i turned around and i said something like boston up and uh and dante's like <laughs> we're not boston he's so angry you know that i thought he was boston and i said mate it's all right it's me leighton's dad punk's dad and he's like oh wait can we have a selfie and and his whole demeanor changed from you know being accused of being boston to you know, wanting a selfie, it was, it was quite funny. <laughs> That's good. Oh. Uh, you know, were many of the parents of the players who did make the trip present for that? or I or? did not meet any, did not see any. Okay. I, I very much doubt it. Uh, there doesn't seem to be that many. Um, uh, my wife and I did try and revive an old Facebook or chat group that mm-hmm. the Overwatch League Season 1 or Season 2 players, uh, parents, put together. And and, mm-hmm. and we're, we tried to revive that, but um, there just simply weren't enough, uh, enough of them interested, I think, mm-hmm. um, compared to that first season or second season. So it's kind of died. So not a lot of interaction with parents. Uh, a little bit over Twitter with, uh, uh, you know, I've exchanged little notes with um, Kellex's dad. Um, with, uh, who else? Uh, a couple of the mums chat, but not real often, not real frequently. Yeah. That actually, I mean, that was a question I had here. Was, you know, do the parents connect that 
that much because you know i think in the form of traditional sports my my daughter was playing soccer this past season and i mean us parents uh if we weren't sort of chatting about what's going on at practice like you know oh hey how's school how's your neighborhood yeah. what were you, your kids up to like you know the just stuff that we do the small talk but then yeah. we're talking about you know the kids experiences and what have you so i was just curious if something like that did exist in the, yeah i think yeah, I think, I think when they were playing at burbank and all the teams were together uh, perhaps there was a lot mm-hmm. more opportunity for parents to be introduced to each other and and build relationships and it and it probably you know fell apart a little bit as teams retreated you know to their their home cities or different places and weren't playing at burbank anymore um, that's that's my theory just thinking out mm-hmm. loud um, but you know there'd be parents like like us as well i mean we're not we're not unique here. There's there's a lot of parents that that have a, a less public interest in in what their their children are doing, and their gaming uh, sons and daughters are doing. I'm sure, but um, yeah, not a lot of parent to parent sort of talk at the moment. Yeah, I know. Like from from our perspective, I know like Linkser, who played for the Titans a couple of seasons ago. His his parents actually had sort of engaged with us a little bit, and I I think part of that was to just sort of you know keep abreast as to what might be going on with their, their son's team and and that, right? Like, but I, I, the, I can count on one hand, the number of parents that I know may or may not have connected with us. And you could probably figure out if it's his parents and yourself and your wife, who that might be. (laughs) I I think you got to remember too, you know, players are 16, 17, 18, and, and they're trying to, you know, create, their own world at that stage of life and uh mm-hmm. you know you as a parent you you got to respect that and kind of take a backward step and let them you know be what they want to be and do what they want to do you don't want to meddle or or hinder you know that natural development uh as they socialize and find their feet um so you know, parents are conscious of that as well. Uh, no player wants their parents hanging around if, you know, there's no other parents there. So you got to kind of slink back into the shadows and, you know, stay away. What are you talking about? 16, I totally wanted my parents to be around all the time. No, you did not. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that in case they're listening. Right. I mean, there's a chance. Yeah. Right. Oh. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, like – with you know him playing in Boston, I mean, was there much opportunity to visit? I know, like he, as you'd said, he sort of started playing with the uprising, almost coinciding with the well, actually, the pandemic and sort of when the world shut down, yep. and then suddenly he gets the call. Um, or was it more virtual in some crazy hours trying to to see what's happening? Uh, well, w- we let him leave school at the end of what we call year 11 um, to go and live in Toronto and, and, you know, uh, be part of the, the academy. Um, when it came into year 12 and um, he, he, you know, we wanted him to finish school, but by that time he was in Boston and um, we wanted him to finish um, his, his final exams and finish his subjects. So we had a year where uh, my wife flew over to Boston and organized some support um, for him to continue his, his high school 
studies and complete high school. So uh, I remember she made that trip over there. I think she combined it with one of her own business trips. So um, it wasn't specifically for that purpose, but it was a tack on to a business trip for her. Um, so I remember her visiting then. Um, I don't, she, she may have visited a second time or dropped by as well for the same reason, a tack on to a, a visit to New York that she was making for work. Um, but it wasn't until last year that we, we actually went as, as, you know, his father and, and mother and, uh, and surprised mm -hmm. him in, in the end and, um, and hung around for a few days on our way back from, from Europe. Um, so everything else has been remote and, um, you know, that's, that's just the way it has to be. Uh, Boston's probably as far away from Sydney as you can possibly get. Um, everything else seems to be closer. Uh, even once you make the, 15 hour flight to Los Angeles you you then got to deal mm -hmm. with a domestic flight to get to the other side so it's it's a long way away for us so you know he's a resilient guy and um and we we give him all the support that we possibly can you know um and um and yeah he was able to what work through three years in Boston um without too much trouble so that's good yeah like I I know you know, the situation as well uh, was probably, I mean, I guess easier for your wife to stop by in the first year or so, as opposed to, to yourself and, mm. and that with the, I, I know in Canada getting in was Canadians only for the longest time. And I think the United States was very similar, at least in the early going. And then they opened up the doors and yeah, everything seemed to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, when he, when he left that basketball trip and uh, I went to Toronto um, I, I don't think that I don't think anyone listening <laughs> from that team would would mind if I, I said there were a bunch of misfits in that in that gaming house there. <laughs> but um, you know that was just before Christmas. I think it was twenty twenty second of December or something, and he just landed into mm -hmm. a house full of um, misfits, and I mean that in a nice way. Um, yeah. And you know that's that's quite a shock. Um, and you know he's trying to pursue a dream and and realize a goal and and uh, he peels off from a high school basketball trip and and lands into that sort of environment, freezing cold and contemplating Christmas in a week's time with with no one to share Christmas with, with you know some of the guys in the house going home for Christmas, but others not. So you know we. We had a friend, I had a friend, uh, a work friend in Toronto and they, they took him in for Christmas and, and, um, and provided him, you know, that kind of Canadian Christmas, if I can call it that. Um, uh, so you do things like that as well, right? You look for opportunities where you can get away from the game or away from the team and, and, you know, do normal things. Uh, things outside the game are, are pretty important for, for, all kinds of reasons. Um, so we, we work to discover those as well. We, you know, we help him select teams that put effort into that side of running a, you know, a high performing team. Um, it is an important factor. Um, and, you know, teams that don't pay attention to that usually fall apart or have players quitting or retiring or, you know, drifting off. Yeah. Um, as we look to sort of, you know, 
wrap things up here. I've got some questions I wanted to throw your way that we ask almost all of our guests. And the first one is a tough one. Mm. If you've been promoted to the head over the head of the Overwatch League tomorrow, and this is not a, hey, you know, Sean Miller has been replaced. No, Sean Miller, he won the lottery. So he's just going to go and, you know, bathe in the multi-million dollar mm-hmm. windfall that suddenly showed up to him. Mm. What changes might you look to implement, whether it be for 2023 or beyond? Well, I think, I think we've talked about one already, which is more more land opportunities, more stage opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that's an obvious one. Um, so I'd make that change. I I think sponsorship is pretty key here. The business model is you know is wretched, is broken, and <laughs> uh, if if it was ever actually you know, net positive, uh, I'm surprised because I I do feel it relies on um, ticket sales and merchandise and and the things that happen outside of, you know, what everyone looks at on a, on a screen while the, the teams are playing each other. Um, so I think I'd be trying to discover those innovative things or, or things that haven't been tried yet. Uh, at the Overwatch League level to to uh, make the game more sustainable uh, or make it more financially sustainable because it doesn't it doesn't feel like it is at the moment. So that would be a focus mm. area um, that's non-player focused, uh, I suppose. Um, those are two things that come to mind. Uh, I don't know enough about hero balance or you know <laughs> the things that occupy a lot of the, the Reddit or the Twitter or the Discord forums uh, to, to, yeah. to offer something up there. But, um, you know, uh, sponsorship, uh, it, it, you know, the onus is probably on the teams as well. I get that. Um, and the teams aren't making money. So there's a bit of an overhaul in there and uh, a fresh eyes perspective it would probably be a good thing to, to, to have happen. Uh, and and that might mean inviting someone from a rival game developer mm-hmm. or a, a rival league to come in and and um, but and give some advice. But someone's got to be open to receiving that advice. And mm-hmm. let's face it, I'm I'm from an older generation, and this this stuff is run by younger people, uh, younger people yeah. that. Uh, having experiences learning as they go uh, a part of me thinks there's something to be learned from from perhaps some older wiser heads you know you you hit on something that i think you know resonates well uh with some of our our listeners maybe not as many as as probably need to hear it but then beyond that as well within the league itself but we've had an opportunity to talk to, to adam adam who's one of the the founders of our active media parent company of the toronto defiant uh and you know he's told us how as you know their organization their their esports that's that's what they have and so they're really looking at you know diversification of revenue streams because for them to make this work there needs to be like their business requires success here. Mm. But then we've also had an opportunity, you know, talking with those with in the Vancouver Titans organization, whose parent, I don't know if it's still the case today, but who originally parent was a traditional sports franchise here in in Canada, the Vancouver Canucks. Mm. And I mean, in Canada, the hockey product is no longer a gate driven Mm. 
lig. I mean, yeah, merchandise sales does wonders and it's always nice to fill up your building, but the sponsorship and the TV deals pay for almost everything, mm. but they are very much traditional in that mindset. Oh, we got to, we got to have ticket sales. We got to sell every person who mm. buys a ticket, a hot dog and a Jersey. And, mm. and, you know, I don't know if that opportunity exists to that extent within, you know, esports as we know it. Like, I don't know if that traditional model can just be, mm. you know, carbon copied over, but I think there are, there are, there are avenues. It's just interesting to hear the two conversations. One who I think would be open to talking uh, to others, mm. which I think is the, more modern model, mm -hmm. maybe less so on the traditional side. And a part of me wonders it's, well, we've done it before. So we know how to do it. Mm. You know, it's yep. that fallacy of, I, I, I don't need to be taught a new trick. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's that. I mean, what would an old person know about such a new thing? Um, I, 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 I don't know what else to say. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not inside enough to to know uh, the financials here. They they're big. Um, you know, I haven't got a solution, but it'd be nice to hear that people are working hard to find a solution, and maybe a little bit more openness and transparency. I don't know if you know. Maybe these maybe these conversations do happen at at mm -hmm. certain mm -hmm. conferences that that cover these kinds of topics but um i don't think the community here is exposed to those conversations enough and and so you get drip fed or you get you know one tenth of of what's really going on and and uh perhaps that's not enough perhaps uh there are forums that could be created to uh, to allow you know uh mm -hmm. A little bit more collaboration, a little bit more innovation, and some, you know, an ideas fest to uh, to actually occur. I, I'm sure that happens. Yeah, I, I'm sure it happens, right? But I, yeah. you know, who are the people that go to these forums, and where are those conversations? Um, how do how do we accelerate them and get them being productive faster? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and I, I mean. I, I'm a big proponent of their needing to not, it doesn't have to be complete transparency, but I think it would do better to be more transparent or more open as to the operations. Otherwise, cause I mean, it, we didn't really get into this, but you know, anything from how a league runs, how a league functions, you know, contract data, what have you, um, you know, as a community, we don't need to be told the finest detail of a particular player contract, but you know, sure. to see there being doubt from players who are probably far more connected than, than someone like myself yeah. is, is a sign of a, maybe a problem. Like that's, you know, that's an area and, or, you know, the few, you know, player representatives that I might've interacted with where they're like, Hey, you know, what have you heard? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just a lowly mm -hmm. podcaster. Yeah. I haven't heard anything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I think you're right. I think there does need to be maybe a more collaborative approach yeah. and, yeah, I also agree. Conversations are probably happening yeah. internally. I, I think uh, one of the curiosities I, I, I really do. I mean, we we had, you know, Le Leighton had an agent for a while, and you give a portion of your your salary, you know, to an agent to represent your interests, and you know, I don't know what they do, but I I often feel like an agent 
for the money that they take off players uh, isn't providing all the value that perhaps they should be. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure, of course. So don't don't kill me, all you agents out there. But um, you know, <laughs> the initial contract stage, you want someone to read a contract for you and understand, make sure you understand it and explain it to you. That's that's a a little blip in your you know your season. Um, and then at the end of the season, perhaps when you're becoming a free agent and someone needs to shop you around, you know, perhaps they're making linkages and, and connections for you. But you never know. You never know. Um, and so for their percentage that they take, what, what, what are they doing? What forms are they operating in? And are they truly representing your interests or are they just trying to cut a deal so that they can get their percentage, you know? Um, and, and how many of them how many are out there? You know, there's there's certain firms that are quite public and a few dabblers, um, and they they all have you know little secret squirrel discussions on the side about who's worth what, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Some some of that is an interesting area to ponder because advocacy for the player, uh, we didn't have a lot of experience when we we had an agent um when it came time you know for Leighton to explore free agency i, I found it pretty easy to contact teams mm-hmm. um he helped me find the right people to contact some responded to us some didn't okay that's fine um we determined the value we determined all the the intangible non-cost things and you know ran a little multi-criteria analysis and and helped, you know, pick the right team and pick the right offer. Um, Are agents actually doing that? I'm not sure they are. Hmm. But um, uh, I kind of feel like a parent, uh, if they're interested, it's quite a a fun thing to do for your your player. Um, (laughs) I I certainly enjoy it. My wife enjoys it as well. Um, So we've kind of become his, his player agent, if you like. And uh, and help him sort of consider and make decisions and you know there's a there's a whole fraternity there that mm, I think needs uh, some thought and consideration as to the, the value they're bringing to the the whole the whole league as well. I I you know whether it's five percent or ten percent or whatever these folks get, um, that'd be better in the players' pockets, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, not knowing anything that goes into any of it, and I have absolutely no background on, you know, what, you know, an agent or a player representative does. I mean, what you're describing to me has me wondering, is there, you know, a, 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 a tangent for you to potentially to explore, to, to revolutionize representation on the, uh, the entertainment side? I mean, me, what you're describing, yeah. Uh, I mean, what you're describing to me. I mean, you got me. I'm, I'm bought. I'm bought. Like, well, this is like I was thinking. This is like the movie Jerry Maguire, and, well, and Sean's describing to me well, an opportunity here. I, I did publish a manifesto uh, a few years back. Um, I, I th- well, there you see. You're, you were already writing the script for I, Jerry Maguire, just the esports version. Yeah, it's out, it's out there somewhere, but it was more the the social and the mental side of of being on a, a team and being away from home and and um food and and physical and mental uh fitness i i felt like teams could be doing more and um i did contemplate you know 
early retirement and throwing throwing myself at at that for a year. So I think I joked about it online, but whenever someone jokes about something like that, there is an element of seriousness. If if there had been a bite, uh, perhaps I, I would have explored it back then. Um, I, I'm quite open to players seeking uh, advice, uh, and they do with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I've encouraged anyone, Leighton, uh, wants to point my way for, for advice, uh, I'm happy to give it, but, you know, no takers so far, uh, you know. Um, so there's, you know, I, my, my advice is free. Uh, if they want to give 5%, yeah. 10% of their salary to, to uh, someone, go for it. But I'm offering myself for free here, so maybe the phone will start ringing. <laughs> well, I mean, again, just like the movie Jerry Maguire, it took all movie before Jerry was able to go and establish a business of more than one client. I, there you go. I'm saying. There you go. You, know, this, you might have heard it here first. This is this is when that uh, that opportunity comes to life. Um, lighter questions, hmm. and this one actually, is, you know, you you may have already you know considered this because you've had the experience, obviously, in in Toronto or whatever you. Um, but is there anything about Canadian culture that you've experienced or that you've come to expect that might surprise you or, or doesn't? Not yet. I'm, I'm hoping to, to be more involved. Um, I've never been to Canada um, before. Uh, I work with a lot of Canadians. I'm an engineer uh, in the water industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a lot of Canadians down here in Sydney. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, I, I I love the "We're Not Americans" um, uh, <laughs> moniker uh, because you are different, and um, it, it it amazes me that people can't pick the difference between Canadian and American accents, and uh, it's it's a little bit like Australians and New Zealanders, right? There's mm. there's a, a friendliness, but there's also a rivalry, and when someone mistakes. Mm one for the other uh, in, in the accent department. It, it creates a bit of banter and uh, a bit of niggle. Um, so I, I, I expect that that's the same between Canadians and Australians. We're just not as close as uh, the Kiwis are to us here. Um, so I've experienced that banter with the Canadians I know down here in, in Sydney. Um, I, I'm yet to learn. You know, I, I haven't spent enough time in Canada. I, I don't know. I haven't met you. I haven't been to your your country. Um, it's something something I look forward to. But you know, I I, I can talk about stereotypes if you like. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you know, we Rocky and Bullwinkle we're, we're, and and the Canadian Mounted uh, Police. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's probably your first uh, child exposure to something that's a little bit different from the rest of the world. Um, uh, you know, we're not big skiers and we're not big, we're not, we don't have high mountains in this country. So, you know, uh, relationships around wintertime sports probably aren't there between Canada and Australia um, so much. Although, you know, we do have a lot of Canadians come down and populate our ski fields because, you know, mm-hmm. they're off season. So they can, they can live perpetually in winter if they so choose. Uh, and some do. Um, no, I think it's it's still out there for me. I I'm open. I need to visit. I need to experience it firsthand before I 
wax yeah. lyrical about observations. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you do find yourself exploring and you're curious, have I reached Whistler yet? Which is mm-hmm. Uh, you know, well-known skier. Yep. You'll know it because it'll sound familiar. Um, it is where essentially, I think all the Australians that come to Canada right. congregate. But, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe not as much in the summer, but I know in the winter, you know, you're there because the accent is no longer Canadian. Really? Yeah. It's quite clearly Australian. Yeah. yeah. When Australians choose to, to frequent a particular place, it, it sticks for a long time. I've noticed, you know, uh, Bali in Indonesia is usually full of Australians and, and you know, <laughs> there's Indonesians there, of course, but uh, we, we tend to dominate uh, Bali. Uh, you know, there's places up the north of Japan that are dominated by Australians during the ski season as well. Um, so I'm not surprised there's, there's somewhere in Canada experiencing the same thing. Um, other than Overwatch... What is your favorite game? Now, I know there's a, a list, and in, in, it's interesting. Only one of those titles I didn't recognize. I mean, I've played it, all of them, but Asylum is not one that I had recognized. But, I mean, the rest I have. I mean, right. you know, myself, you know, on, on the podcast, the running joke is I'm, I'm, I'm ancient, mm-hmm. but that's measured because I recognize titles like you listed. Right. But are there others that you didn't? Uh, there probably are, but they're so far back in my childhood days and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in my fifties, right? So, um, that's a long time to remember. Uh, the asylum one came to me because, you know, it was back in the days when everything was on uh, a cassette tape and you loaded it in and it made all those squeaky noises and sometimes it loaded and sometimes it didn't. And so you restart the tape and wait 20 minutes for the game to load. Asylum was a bit problematic like that. But moving from, you know, uh, a, a mental asylum, uh, you know, totally not uh, <laughs> politically correct these days, but moving from room to room in a mental asylum, answering and asking questions, discovering treasure and opening doors to the next part in, in you know, an objective okay. to get out. Uh, I spent a lot of hours with that game. So <laughs> it is one that I remember. Um, but, you know, I used to play squash uh, when I was younger and and I, I wasn't bad. Um, and the squash center had a lot of tabletop uh, arcade games. So I was mm-hmm. I was very much a product of the, uh, the early 80s, mid 80s uh, were my high school years. Um, and, you know, Space Invaders and and Pac-Man uh, and Donkey Kong, you know, they were they were the games of that era. So um, uh, that's that, you know, that's shortly after we were all loading games on our home computers uh, when mm-hmm. when the tabletops and, and the pinball parlors sort of introduced those those electronic games. So, um, no, there's there's probably not one that sticks out. You know, there was. There was one with a, a trackball um, mission command, I think it was, where you, you used a trackball. I think it was an Atari game, and you sort of placed the X and then hit the fire button, and missiles would go to that X and counter the other missiles raining in from the sky. Um, you know, we would go to the beach as teenagers and stop off at the, the pinball parlors and, and play games like this and and then go to the mm-hmm. beach and then on the way home, you know, stop off again. So. That that was when I was first exposed to to games, but you know it lay dormant until you know my sixteen year old son picked it up and you know refreshed it 
in my memory. I was going to say, I, I like your reply to the tweet that Chris is talking about where you said it was just a 35 year break in your gaming career. It was, <laughs> it yeah. was a long time. So, you know, it was one of those things I never thought would come back, but you know, it's, it's exciting. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. And we, you know, all parents should take an interest in whatever their children are doing, uh, whether it's gaming or something else. And then one final question. This has everything to do with all of these, you know, pictures you post in the Vancouver Titans Discord. Um, <laughs> food pictures, you mean? Are you a professional chef? Because no. the food that you share is like next level. I, it's gotten me to the point where I'm going to my wife. I'm like, this looks so good. I got to learn how to make this. And I, I, I'm, I'm unfortunately lacking in the skills. Okay. I'm so, inspired by it. No, so, so, so we're cheating, right? Um, <laughs> it, it, while we're posting in there, I, I saw the Food Channel when Leighton signed with the Titans, and and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, look, and I I must admit, I looked at all the 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 postings in there, and everything was yellow or brown, and there weren't a lot of vegetables. And uh, you know, going back to my that might be a demographic uh, young age thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So going back to my manifesto of good eating, good health, you know physical, mental, uh, I was looking at those fo- those photographs that, and I was thinking, oh, come on, guys, you can do better here. And and so I thought, well, let's let's show some color. Let's show some green and red and yellow and, you know, vegetables, and let's provide a little bit of a, a description of what we're eating here. So um, some of those meals are, you know, our own uh, meals, um, but some of them uh, are, you know, um, uh, service providers that provide a couple of meals in a bag that you cook yourself and follow a recipe as well. And, um, and so you're seeing the, the outcomes of, of those as well. Um, some of them are just where we eat out local restaurants as well. So uh, I haven't, and, and honestly, I'm just trying to encourage the people that are looking at these Mm -hmm. things to provide a little description of what we're looking at. So a few more adjectives, uh, a few more nouns, <laughs> you know, so that we know what we're looking at here. And you never know. Maybe someone will think, ah, I'm going to cook something different. I'm going to eat a little healthier. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to have the takeaway tonight. I'm going to have, uh, you know, a home-cooked meal. That's the idea. Well, you have inspired me. I mean, I... I- <laughs> I believe I've been doing okay in the vegetable department, but again, I'm a little bit older. I also have a five-year-old who I uh-huh. really need to ensure she eats well. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have learned very quick that she is observant as to what my wife and I may or may not eat. Like she knows what, well, she knows very specifically what my wife does not like. Right. Um, right. And so I'm now trying to be more open. Right. Yeah, to try to to hopefully set a good example. So your your example has benefited at least me. I, I think the key is uh, spice and sauce can dress up any food that you may not uh, like or be adverse to. Um, so with the right spices or the right sauce, you, know, you should be eating anything that's uh, served up on a plate. To be honest, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. My wife. Not not so much okay. to her. The plainer it happens to be, the better it probably is. And I, okay. I, it's a struggle because we, mm-hmm. 
we don't see it the same way. Mm. So whoever makes the meal wins. Mm -hmm. And yep. Yeah. Fair enough. I eat a lot of plain dishes. Fair, fair <clears throat> enough. Horses for courses. That's okay. But yeah, uh, yeah I'll keep doing it. Yeah, I, if if pe more people want to join in, that'd be great. So here we are. I, and, you know, we've monopolized uh, this time with you. So thank you so much for for you know joining us. You know, taking time out of a, a an evening. And and again, please, you know, thank your wife for allowing us to to monopolize uh, her time just as well. Um, but are there any you know final words you'd like to to share with uh, all the listeners? Look, I, I I'd like to see a little bit more activity in in the Titans Discord. A um, little little bit more participation, uh, a few more discussions, um, pointed discussions, uh, people challenging each other's views, not not sniping at each other, right, and and arguing. But uh, I I think I think the team you know does well when there's a vibrant community supporting it and. The best way I know to to provide that vibrancy and show that support to the players is is in the Discord chats, um, you know, Twitter because I'm a boomer and I use Twitter. But uh, I, I would like to encourage everyone to 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 get involved and um, and participate. You know, the very, the the, very the, sound the players, the staff. That's what they want as well, and. Um, you know, if we can all help for that to happen, uh, it makes for a better team and um, probably is the thing you can do to contribute to a better performance from the team. You know, that all these little things help. They Any player will tell you that. So let's get out there and do it and go Titans. Awesome. This was Sean, Papa Punk Gilchrist. You can find him on Twitter at Sean D. Gilchrist if you haven't followed him already. Um, but again, thanks for joining us. We're going to take ourselves a short break before we dive into the fray. conversation yeah that was Wait, it what? was a lot of fun Hold and on, my biggest is, why, question why is my chair upside down <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i i forgot to you know right side uh, up it. um yeah i mean <laughs> make sure that when flipped. you you go and when you, you flush the toilet and ensure the coriolis effect is <laughs> you know still that's right happening the way it's supposed to happen yeah but you know back to jordan you were you were saying <laughs> I was going to say my, my only question for him that I, I didn't jump on just because it was so early in the interview is why he preferred to go by Sean, whereas he said to refer to his son as punk. It was almost like he didn't want to be the punk. He's passed the punk moniker on. So the, the Papa punk has put the crown on to the punk. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We didn't get into the, the history of that, but if right you go and listen to um, 
uh, Sean and, and his uh, wife did a, an interview with our friends over at the Weekly Uprising a couple of years ago. Um, there was also some content with the Boston Uprising, but they talk about how we're, you know, where did Punk's name come from? Uh, and uh, they, they both take credit uh, because they used to call him Punk. Ah, oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Right. And, and they actually, he, he talks about it, but they're like, yeah, you know, we had, you know, two girls and then, and then Leighton arrived and I, you know, we got to appreciate what it's like to have a, a boy and, fair you enough. know, probably good. It went in that order because who knows what might have happened. It was, a, go and listen to those, those interviews. Um, especially the one on the weekly uprising. Is a really good one. Um, it fills in some of the blanks. Might it some also be a little bit of duplicative content because I also appreciate, you know, you might not have listened to them and I wanted to give you, our listeners, an opportunity to hear more about it. But he is, he's big about the community. Um, I think he, he, you know, as you heard him talk about in our conversation, how, you know, he has really embraced the opportunity that's in front of his son and would love to help others you know, uh, you know, carry that along. Um, I really do hope he was going to say navigate the trials of, of free agency and things like that. Yeah. And I, you know, to that effect, I really hope he, you know, does something with the opportunity to, uh, potentially spin up his, uh, his side hustle side gig, or maybe his, you know, main (laughs) gig and whatever (laughs) it might be, uh, in, uh, in regards to, uh, Jerry or Jerry Maguire the overwatch league. But uh, yeah, thanks again, uh, Sean, for joining us. Uh, when you come up this way, a, uh, a pint for certain Ooh. Uh, is uh, on the podcast. Hey, what about me? Uh, what about when I come uh, out? I can tell you what, Jordan, if you make the trip out here too, a pint <laughs> on the podcast. I'll, okay, great. I'll, 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 I'll do a second. Sounds good. Ready, set, drink. <laughs> yeah, ready, set, drink. Yeah. But uh, what else has been going on in the Overwatch League uh, while we've been away? Well, lots. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, teams have been announcing players. Uh, the deadline to have had a minimum of five has come and gone. So in theory, all teams have five. The thing about this is that we're going to get to one of the rumors with, in a moment um, that may throw a little wrench into the minimum of five. Uh, and then you have other teams who have yet to announce. But um, those that have and have officially been shared on overwatchleague.com, which is, again, how I try to share these these names. Uh, Hangzhou Spark have added 20, Lee Langsa Monk, Creed, uh, Creed being the assistant coach, the Soul Eternal, okay, which I, ha- I wrote as SEI as opposed to SEO, which is the Soul Dynasty. But Infernal. Soul Eternal. You infernal, said eternal, internal, internal. Yeah, yeah, sorry, infernal. I can't blame you. It's uh, all very confusing exactly. now. Yeah, uh, they added Fixa, Mag, Skewed, uh, Shanghai Dragons. They've added Fleta, Viper, Hisu, Gangnam, Jim, DM. Uh, Washington Justice added Alpha Yi, Flora, Ben, Best, Mirror, FD God, Taru, J Mac as an assistant coach, and they brought in Danny as an analyst. Uh, Danny being the head coach of Team Canada's uh, Overwatch uh, World Cup squad. Uh, there have been other announcements. Teams have made them official. The Overwatch League Twitter account has promoted them. But for one reason or another, whomever updates the site has not. And so, therefore, I'm not including them until it's there. Because who knows what's going to happen. I think you're the only one who reads it anyways. <laughs> True. Maybe that's why they don't update it. It's yeah. like, oh, well, that guy from Canada is reading it again on a Tuesday night. Uh, what's going on? 
Um, the other big news is that uh, the Los Angeles Valiant, having freed up an APAC spot by coming back to North America, um, which I thought was being filled officially by what was formerly known as the Philadelphia Fusion, now the Soul Infernal, is being filled by the Dallas Fuel. If I had come to you a month ago and said, hey, do you think the Dallas Fuel are going to APAC? Would you have said, oh, yeah, I could totally see that happening? <laughs> yeah. Not in a million years. It's been a weird offseason, to say the least. It has. I mean, I, I understand the reasons they've provided from an organizational standpoint. Um, the long story short being, we think this is what's best for the team. The team is comfortable there. We're looking out for the, the team. And if you sort of dive into a few rabbit holes here, I mean, Dallas has had some player interactions in that sort of local area that have not been as conducive uh, to a team of international flair. The thing that also does confuse me though is like the Dallas fuel had a really good market they had a lot of you know local activations taking place I mean when we talked to Sean Miller we were talking about the Battle of Texas as being a sure thing having a land event because it always has um, so seeing the fuel go to APAC could be a combination of hey we're doing it for our team we're you know fist bumping the league here doing them a solid it just creates issues, though, when the localization of the league, you now have another West team not playing in the West. Like, I mean, I've talked about it on the show before when the Vancouver Titans, you know, relocated to Korea. I made it very clear. I don't know if I was going to be getting up to watch them. And, yeah, I might watch the VODs because I have a podcast. <laughs> but if you're like a casual fan, are you going to do the same thing? Or if it's easy to consume, is that why you were you were you know watching? So I, I'm curious. Yeah, curiosity is is right. Um, I personally, you know, I watched the video that Hastro, uh, who I believe is GM of the org, um, yeah. something like that. I watched the video he put out. Uh, it's I think it's like three minutes long or something. Um, and I think to the credit of the org, the best thing I can say about it is he seemed very genuine in what he was saying. It did not come across pandery or, or markety or even scripted to a large extent. I'm sure he had some, you know, notes and general thoughts about what to say. Um, and you know, some, some key points to make, obviously, but it felt very sincere from his standpoint. Um, and I do wonder how much the, you know, the, the negativity that the team may have experienced really affected it and how much it was more so just on the fact that these are a bunch of young guys that have been away from, you know, many of their friends and family for a long time now. And that was something that they wanted, right? Um, you have to figure it probably wasn't a quick or easy decision for the org to make. And I, man, to be a fly on the wall of whose idea it was in the first place. You know, who first brought it up, who kind of, you know, had the guts to go to management and say, I want you to seriously consider this. Um, cause I, you know, 
I, I don't think, or I would be shocked if it actually started, uh, you know, up the chain. I think it maybe was a, something the players discussed together, spoke to Rush about, and maybe they all kind of said, let's talk to the owners about this and see what they think. Um, something like that. But it, and yeah. it could also be a factor in, uh, the team's decision to allow everyone to explore free agency, right? Uh, they, they could have said, you know, this is something that, many of us on the team want and the org may have said okay we would still like to make you offers but uh, we're going to allow you to explore your options so you can stay in north america if you want if you can find another team but if you want to stay with us here's what we'll do for you so i'd be really curious to hear the inner workings behind it all but so the idea being there that the team had made the decision much early on in the pro earlier on in the process you know prior to really free agency even happening yeah, that's yeah. I, honestly, that's where I'm, where I'm thinking, you know, great that they won it there, but I mean, think about how awesome it would be for them if they could win it all one season and then move to the next, the other region and win it all again. You know, yes, obviously we're going to have grand finals that cross, uh, you know, both regions and everything, but even still to prove your dominance in one side and then prove your dominance in the other, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Um, so Well, regardless, the fuel, they fled. They've gone to the east. Um, The other asterisk to this happening is the asterisk we're going to talk about next is Chengdu Chengdun. Um, If you haven't been keeping in touch with the Overwatch uh, League scene, the hot rumor right now um, that has come out about Chengdu is that uh, they have elected to fold. Um, no reasons to fold, (laughs) you know, have made made clear as to why they might choose this path. But I mean, if we were to speculate, there is difficulty for a Chinese team to continue to play in the league. If they wish to have this connection to China, um, they're not being a partner there to allow for the game to function is a big thing. Um, you have these teams, financially not all in a good place and uh you know if you decide like we're not going to spend money and have this team go play in korea or what have you maybe there are logistical issues geopolitical issues you know business issues at the end of the day if a team can simply say we're done this late in the game Mm -hmm. What's to stop other teams? I mean, we, two weeks ago, we were talking about what was going on in L.A. with the, the Gladiators, and there was this potential that they might have one season left. Well, if Chengdu's pulling the plug now, does Cronky Sports Entertainment say, well, they can do it, right? Like, I, I'm not suggesting that's the case, but there is there is a trickle-down effect here and a much greater impact. I don't know what it's like for you know, other interested parties looking to buy franchise slots. And if you are willing to sell, are you willing to sell at such a significant loss? Like I, does the league step in? I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows is right. Bad news bears. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunate. Like you, you, we saw like teams, like the dragons and, and spark. They did you know, fill up the rosters, but then we see like 
players like Jinmu tweet about not finding a team uh, for the season who's been, you know, on, on Chengdu for so long and nothing was coming out. And now the rumors point to that direction. It's very sad. Like, I hope this doesn't, you know, it's not just the, the, the beginning of, of the end or something like that. Um, it's sad because the season, like I've been, you know, off season has been crazy and it looks like it's going to be super competitive, but we've been saying this a lot of times, many, plenty of times, but like owl has been getting hit a lot and getting more shots and more shots at this. Let's hope this one is really something great. And, and I'm very sad to see Chengdu being Ching done <laughs> and hopefully yeah. that's the last of them for this season and i guess like with what they're doing over at apac with with uh not just a pro am, AM but like infusing tier two teams well th- there's plenty of talent right to fill in yeah the spots uh especially down in, in apac well and i like it's not like i'm suggesting they're in a world of hurt if teams in the east were to fold but it's where one falls it you know it's like a house of cards right it starts to make the rest of the, the structure that much weaker. And <laughs> especially when you, you were know, playing at a, re, at a, for a country that cannot literally play the game. It's, mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. You know, and, and we haven't even mentioned, you've got, you know, teams who have yet to announce anything like New York Excelsior. I mean, based on scrims, it looks like they have a team. Right. Um, I haven't, <laughs> have the LA Valiant oh, come sorry. out. Hmm. Yeah. Have the LA Valiant come out in any uh leaked scrims yet? There are leaked rosters, yeah. Um Yeah. Don't remember so, a lot, but there is a leaked n- roster already. No, but like the fact that teams have still yet to even make an announcement. Right. Right. It, it, it's to me adding a level of insecurity. Like, why would you not announce? Like, you've, you've, you've got an operation that seems to be going. Um, might there be more at play here? Like, I mean, heck, the LA Valiant were a team who announced a roster and then said, I am so sorry, <laughs> roster. We are moving. Yeah. Right? So I, should, I shouldn't be too worried about announced rosters or not because the Valiant have proven it doesn't matter whether it's announced. So To your point as well. Um, specifically about leaked scrims. I'm actually, I'm on Twitter right now and I have a tweet in front of me with literally just match scrim code, match scrim code. And one of them that's listed is Excelsior versus Trick Room. Now Trick Room is a contenders team, but the fact is that means Excelsior is playing. They have zero players announced for a roster. Um, although they had some rumors swirling a little while ago now. The fact is Valiant has a rumored roster but they are one team that I don't think I've seen any leaked scrim codes for, which is interesting because again, here we have seemingly, I mean, if I were to go look up the scrim code, seemingly proof that New York has a roster, but what's going on with Valiant, right? Yeah. So again, we're, we're, we're speculating. There are questions. This isn't good for the league. <laughs> uh, you know, if, if you're a, a professional operation, you hate that this is occurring. And I understand maybe some of this is beyond the league's control, but if you're in charge of a successful team, a better run organization, you're kind of tarnished by this, Mm -hmm. right? Like I can't imagine there are, you know, like the Toronto defiant are, are happy that, you know, there are 
the likes of us talking about league insecurity as we are, um, you know, and we've heard many times that the defiant are one of the more successful teams in the league. So are they being held back? And is, you know, the conversation changing to that extent where a team like, you know, Chengdu is folding or whatever's happening with the Valiants happening that like, I don't know, like, it's just weird. It is weird that every season we're repeating ourselves almost in a similar fashion until such time as that first match goes live. Mm-hmm. But ah, we'll be back in two weeks with maybe absolutely no clarity on the issue. Probably. What is clear, though, is that uh, the game is continuing to push forward. Uh, patch came out, and in the most recent patch, it introduced the new Overwatch League skins and withdrew the old ones. If you were a big Philly Fusion stan, you can no longer buy Philly Fusion skins wow. in the game. They are gone. Uh, but uh, I'm... I don't know. I mean, people are, are hyped about the, the new skins, the updated sort of textures and what have you. Eh. Like for me, the defiant, they've, they've swapped the red primary for black. Um, not as exciting to me, but I, I'm, that's a personal preference. So mm-hmm. if you're, you're stoked by these, these new skins, that's great. It's just for me, it's like, <laughs> eh. It's just a monetization, you know, thing, you know, and that's, I understand they need to make money. I mean, traditional sports, um, they, you know, they swap out jerseys and, and what have you on a regular basis, like football, <clears throat> watch soccer or football. I mean, oh, they got like 20 they, different kits. Yeah. And every season a, a new kits introduced, oh, yeah, and man. Then if the, you know, sponsor changes on the front of that, that <laughs> Jersey. Yeah. You, you can't, it can't rock the old sponsor. Oh, man. Cause Chris- that, that's. That's just ain't right. Chris, you're lucky you haven't been following the NBA because the Memphis Grizzlies have actually played like in full Vancouver uh, Grizzlies oh, colors. And they literally had the Vancouver like names on, on, on the court yeah, as no, well. I, it was awful to see. I watched the Grizzly Truth, um, the the third documentary uh, that Kat Jamie has, has put together on the Vancouver Grizzlies. And uh, I think she was at a match. She was wearing Vancouver Grizzlies. But there were other people wearing that because, yeah, they had the full-on retro or yeah. – hmm. Yeah, that's funny. That's that's wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, if they're going to run with the Grizzlies retro colors and all that. Fine. But Vancouver, like it's ridiculous. Eh. Anyhow, um, but new skins are out. Old skins are gone. The uh, coins that you've earned in past seasons watching the Overwatch League. Well, get spend some more. And uh, on along with the patch, the uh, One Punch Man collab has been not only launched, but enhanced. Uh, they have, if you play matches right now and just play a lot, you'll eventually get a bunch of free cosmetics, including a soldier skin. Uh, the actual, you know, stellar skins, they're going to cost you some cash. But, uh, but that's out. Um and there were some adjustments. So, for instance, there were a few buffs. So, like, Zarya had a cooldown reduction. I, I put this as a buff for Ash, but now <laughs> instead of Bob just randomly picking targets that are close or whatever, uh, he's much like the uh, Torb turret. If Ash shoots at the target, 
Bob will shoot at the target. I always assumed that was the case. I never knew that it was random. <laughs> Holy shit. And I was like trying to really hit, <laughs> hit the enemies that I was really adamant that Bob would take out. But nope. now I know. No, no. And that's, yeah, the, I mean, I, I, I learned early on. And so I would put my Bob and try to crossfire like or cover different angles. But uh, was it just, just random panic, before? Panic, throw it. I don't think it was random. I think he prioritized based on who was engaging him first. It, like oh, there was okay. a, pro- a list of priorities, right. but I'm, I, I, I don't quote me on that. I'm, I'm trying to co- recall from memory and I'm, I'm an old man. I honestly forgetful. thought it had something to do with proximity. I, I imagine it was probably some combination of proximity plus, I don't know, maybe damage yeah. to the ash or something like that. I don't know. I'm sure there were a combination of factors, but. Um, Hanzo had a cooldown reduction. Um, uh, May had a cooldown reduction. Well, not a cooldown reduction, sorry. A time uh, to deploy cast reduction them, on her right? alt. Yeah. Yeah. So it used to be you'd, you'd cast her alt, and in the amount of time it took to hit the ground and bounce up, it could still get consumed. You could get hacked. Um, like it would be so frustrating that you would pop her alt and then and scoop in everything, like the entire execution of the sound the display and all of a sudden the diva matrix from the other side of the map would just show up (laughs) and it would be gone that's less likely to happen um and then bap so his disc um got a pretty decent buff buff now so it used to be you'd leave that disc and i mean if that other support hero wasn't you know going all proc to try to heal you you were you were leaving it and likely dying now your your minimum as you leave is is much higher um arissa got a slight nerf ball i guess got a slight nerf uh sojourn uh, apparently she had a thin hitbox mm-hmm. she got big hitbox now <laughs> so that's kind of a nerf yeah. and then hog um hog was like an adjustment um, he, so it previously his hook, uh, cooldown started the moment you used it. So on the way out, even though it was like, what, not even a second, that timer had already started. Mm-hmm. Now it doesn't start until a hook comes back. Um, and I'm trying to think what he got in balance of that. Cause I had me- I said mixed for him, but might've nothing been, major. Yeah. Might've, I'm trying to remember as well. I don't remember. It might've been something like, uh, six shots down to five or, or five shots up to six or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't significant. They they like to play with that on hog a lot. I've noticed just simply five or six shots before he has to reload. I've noticed. So, well, I, I, the reason is that they, they seem to go between the, do we want the one shot kill or not? Yeah. Yeah. True. Right. Like the one shot kill. Well, you give him five, no problem. But if he doesn't get it, well, that seems weak. So let's give him six. But then suddenly Hog doesn't seem to need to reload and is, <laughs> you know, walking through teams. Eh. Yeah. Um, but probably the biggest adjustment in the entire game, they fixed the physics of the cow. <laughs> and I yeah. saw that. I was like. Like did, did did someone like was there something wrong with like Arissa? Yeah, like, that's I what know I some thought people too. refer to her as the cow. <laughs> but no, it was the 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 cow on Busan jiggles. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so. you see, that's actually the reason that PVE hasn't launched yet. They had the whole PVE team working on that. 
But, on, on the cow, the physics yes, on, of the on, cow. On the cow. They had to redesign the cow entirely, this new engine, you know, all that stuff. Whole team was on it. Now that it's done, next up, PVE coming out soon. Okay. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I always wondered because depending on which random spawn point you come from, some have pretty cool interactions, others not so much. So n- both teams don't have an opportunity at experiencing the physics of the cow straight out of spawn. Uh, both teams do not have the opportunity to go all karaoke, right? Like, it kind of feels like it, uh, they're a little bit of a letdown that you don't get these opportunities. Like, I think you should put something fun in each. On an Antarctica, do I get to shoot the fish or not? Yeah, that's a good one. Right? <laughs> so, anywho, that's everything about the game. And uh, one final note, I just want to give a big shout out to Liz Richardson. If you didn't happen to see it uh, already, uh, Liz uh, posted uh, a note that she is leaving uh, Dot Esports. Um, she made that decision and uh, she goes into it to, in a, a twit longer, but uh, to give you the TLTDR, um, she's looking to step back from, you know, actively creating um, content and the sort of Overwatch, Overwatch League and esports scenes. Um, taking sort of a, a personal break, a mental health break, um, somewhat of a reset. It's not to suggest she's just disappearing. She's just looking to enjoy this from a different seat, a different view. Um, but I know she's been a go-to for this podcast. I'm pretty sure she's a go-to for yours there, Jordan, oh, yeah. um, with a, the content that she creates. And I think, you know, she says it best, The this sort of the journalist scene in the Overwatch space, in the Overwatch League space, has has shrunk and that seems odd because well isn't it growing there's constantly more and more people talking about it but not with the skill that she and others were able to put to use like the the content that would be crafted the interviews the conversations like i loved that stuff and uh, you know as far as the scene is concerned her stepping back is a little you know somewhat sad day but i am happy that she is also sort of doing this on her terms right. and looking out for her herself. And as I said on Twitter, there is always a seat open for her here. If I had to boot one of you for her <laughs> without question, but I'm not, I wouldn't do that. We, we have a one seat that's kind of open still. And plus we have our special guest here. So I guess that seat would free up, right? Exactly. But yeah, here we are at the end of a show. I know it's a longer one. Uh, we had a great conversation with Sean earlier, and uh, again, we hope to have him back uh, maybe midway through the season. We hope to have all of our guests back maybe midway through the season. Uh, if and when the Vancouver Titans hold a watch party, I hope that they are able to make the trip. But failing that, I am very, very sure the community and at least our podcast will look to have something uh, unofficial in uh, in the stead. But uh, yeah, uh, any final words of wisdom y'all want to share with our listeners this week? Yeah, hundred sit-ups, hundred push-ups, hundred squats, <laughs> and ten-kilometer run every day. That's how you can become One Punch Man. That's a lot. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, by the way, you should check it out. Or at least, if you don't want to give it a shot, look up um, Bill Burr's video on One Punch Man. It's really good. It's on YouTube. Bill Burr. Okay, so I'm now intrigued yeah. because Bill Burr would not be the guy that I would exactly. think would talk about One Punch Man. He, he watched it a little bit on Netflix and he loved it and he starts talking about it. It's it's a great video. It's like 
10 minutes long. You should check it out. Hmm. I have just pulled it up and I will watch this because that sounds fantastic. Yeah, apparently you are the missing missing part of uh, this podcast because these past couple of weeks as we've been talking about this, Chris and I don't have a lot to say about it. Uh, mm, I don't think uh, yeah. are too big on the anime <laughs> side, so I'm glad to hear it's that. It's good. It's you, good. I, I love this uh, event. Good. I'm glad. So what's what's next then? What's the next anime crossover? We had um, Naruto would have been cool, but we already have, well, kind of a tie into the Philly Fusion leaving. His Philadelphia Fusion skin is basically um, Naruto jumpsuit costume. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I bought the Philly skin for uh, Torb, and then I bought the Paris Eternal skin for Torb. Before they I think changed. I have a Farah, but I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I used the Philly Fusion skin. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's my wisdom. <laughs> I, I didn't prepare anything this week, so <laughs> off to you, Chris. Oh, man. <clears throat> why, do, why don't pirates take a bath? Before they walk the plank. I got nothing. Well, they just wash up once they get to shore. <laughs> because they wash up ashore. Yeah, oh yeah, uh, we got it. We got it. <laughs> uh, the silence like that. It's like the podcaster's nightmare where there's these long breaks. But I feel with the effect of you guys trying to process this horrible dad joke. Yeah, yeah. We, sure. we just edited out the, the laughs. Um, it's the Wi-Fi acting yeah. up again. Did I uh, mention that I'm on wired again? I'm not sure. Uh, oh, um, speaking of uh, collabs, though, um, Fortnite still does it best. I fired up uh, the newest season and you know, gosh darn, it uh, it's amazing what they do in that game. I, I genuinely wonder why we don't see other, you know, developers out there doing it. I, I know it's probably money, let's be honest. Epic <laughs> is probably lost leading the heck out of the game. But yet, the amount of money that it seems to make as well is equally insane. So there's probably be some happy balance. If the league folds, though, now that Jordan has informed me that he has started playing Fortnite, this might be uh, a Fortnite podcast. Mm. Does Fortnite still have a competitive scene? I know they had like big events, um, mm. like they, an Arthur Ashe Stadium and that. Or they they have yeah. like a whole uh, section in game dedicated to their upcoming events. I'm not really too sure how it works because I mostly just yeah. play the game. You know, I don't even buy the battle pass, although I completed the last one, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, killing the game. Half the fun in Fortnite is going into a match and that minute and 30 seconds where you can just look at the outfits other people have. And you see, you know, Vegeta with a gingerbread man on his back holding, <laughs> I don't know, Ariana Grande's mic or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it's well, insanity. Because you have you have the what was originally your your axe to yeah. or your mining pick, sorry, and and then you'd have all these different uh, cosmetics attached there. You've got your backpack, the cosmetics there. You've got the actual skins. Mm-hmm. Um, you've oh. got your glider. So like if you, if you jump out of the bus with me, um, I come flying in on a TIE fighter or the millennium Falcon. Oh, cool. cool. And then of course you do an emote and you sit down on uh, the, the throne that Thanos sits on. Like, yes, it's, it's awesome. I, I love it. But anyways, 
Anywho, uh, if you've reached this point of the show and you're curious uh, what else you can do to uh, stay in touch with us, uh, joining our Discord is probably the best way to go about it. That's discord.io slash readysetpwn. And uh, we generally are talking about all sorts of stuff uh, uh, at any given day. You can find us, obviously, on all the social media platforms where we're readysetpwn. And our entire back catalog is found at readysetpwn.com. And it's been a while since I've mentioned it, but uh, a question did come up to, to me as to whether or not to, we do have a way for you to support the show financially. We do. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash early Um, you know, every buck you send our way is a buck that goes into, uh, the cost to, to produce the platform we use here to record, hosting the domain and all that stuff. And when we were doing a little bit better, we had other things like the Minecraft server and the like. But, uh, yeah. We are here at the end. We'll be back again next week with a bonus episode, <clears throat> the interview with Till. But on behalf of Omni at Omni Strife, myself, Chris, at Lightforce, and Jordan at Sir Dr. Jam, the host of the One Man Watchpoint podcast, let's sign off this episode with Catchphrase. Thank you.